0: go to Psalm chapter 66 if you would please. Uh, Psalm chapter number 66. I got a real good psalm here. The Lord, um, I I hope it comes out the way I think it went in. Uh, The Lord did give me, uh, He gave me uh, some stuff on this psalm and just kind of broke it open to me. And I appreciate Him doing that. I just hope and pray that He allows me to communicate it to you like I should. The Bible says in Psalm 66, to the chief musician, a, psalm or, a song or psalm, make a joyful noise unto, the, unto God, all ye lands. Sing forth the honor of His name. Make His praise glorious. Say unto God, how terrible art thou in thy works. Through the greatness of thy power shall thine enemies submit themselves unto thee. All the earth shall worship thee and shall sing unto thee. They shall sing to thy name, Selah. Come and see the works of God. He is terrible in His doing toward the children of men. He turned the sea into dry land. They went through the flood on foot. There did we rejoice in Him. He ruleth by His power forever. His eyes behold the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves. Selah. O bless our God, ye people, and make the voice of His praise to be heard on high. To be heard. Which which holdeth our soul in life, man, what what a verse, which holdeth our soul in life, and suffereth not our feet to be moved. For thou, O God, hast proved us, thou hast tried us as silver is tried. Thou broughtest us into the net, thou laidest affliction upon our loins. Thou hast caused men to ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water, but thou broughtest us out into a wealthy place. I will go into thy house with burnt offerings. I will pay thee my vows, with my lip, which my lips have uttered, and my mouth has spoken when I was in trouble. I will offer unto thee burnt sacrifices of fatlings with the increase of rams. I will offer bullocks with goats, Selah. Come and hear, all ye that fear God, and I will declare what he hath done for my soul. I cried unto him with my mouth, and he was extolled with my tongue. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. But verily God hath heard me. He hath attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, who hath not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy from me. Father, we love you tonight. I ask you to please bless the words of God. I pray you'd help me to preach this passage, Father. Uh, You wrote the book, and God, it, it preaches itself. So I just pray, God, you'd please help me to be consistent and faithful with the words of God. I pray you'd give us a good doctrine and good application to our lives and and use this passage of scripture to help your people tonight to encourage them to give them some instruction to keep them on the right path we ask it in the name of Jesus Christ amen Amen. now this psalm is is again it's a second advent psalm you can see that in verse 3 and verse 7 verses 12 to 13 and verse 15 all those verses show that this is a millennial psalm those are millennial references so what you're dealing with here is is some things going on in the millennial kingdom. And in verses 10, verse 12, and verse 14, you'll notice those are tribulation. So what you have here is a psalm that sort of is bringing you from the end of the tribulation on into the millennium. And, and what I find interesting about that is if you'll notice... Early on in the psalm, it talks about all the people of the land. There's there's not just God's people here that are going to sing and glorify the Lord, but the heathen are also going to be doing the same thing at the end of the tribulation period. Uh, Some of those people that you heard this week blaspheme Jesus Christ and and mock God, mock you for being a Christian or or at least send that that resistance feeling that you feel that tense, uncomfortable feeling when you're around them and they're talking about stuff they shouldn't. And, you know, you just you don't kind of operate the way they, they don't honor your God. They don't honor the Lord Jesus Christ. That feeling that feeling is going to be gone one day. I mean, the Bible says that every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What a great day that's going to be, man. I mean, it'll be great to never hear somebody take God's name in vain again, never hear somebody curse Jesus Christ again, never have somebody mock God or the Bible again, to never again feel that reproach that you feel in naming the name of Jesus Christ to have absolute complete and total liberty to just talk about him bask in him bask in his light bask in his wisdom bask in his purity and just enjoy and rejoice in the Lord Jesus Christ not just you and me but the whole world doing that very thing what a great day that's going to be but this psalm is a really applicable to you and I today in a practical application, because you and I need some help with this. Notice in verse number one, he says, make a joyful noise unto God, all ye lands. You know, it's pretty hard sometimes to make a joyful noise to God when you live in a sinful world. This world can and will absolutely drag you down and beat you down. You're trying to do right. Listen, the world beats down lost people that aren't trying to serve Jesus Christ. You, you, you understand that, right? They're just not like, oh, it's so hard to serve the Lord today. It's so much worse being a Christian. No, it's way better being a Christian. I, I said it's way better being a Christian. This world beats down the lost people in it and the curse of sin and the pain of sin and all that you have to deal with because of sin in a sinful world. It's a tough world to live in, but when you're serving Jesus Christ in a sinful world, that, that also gets tough because there's resistance against doing right. There's there's people that want to stop you and shut you up and mock you and make fun of you. And listen to me, there are people that want to drag you away from the Lord Jesus Christ, from the King James Bible, from a Bible-believing church, from old-fashioned preaching and godly Christian music. They want to drag you away. And I'm telling you, young people, it's coming in your life. You're going to find the devil's going to latch onto you and he's going to use a person to do it. Try to drag you away from the way you've been raised and what your parents have tried to teach you and what your preachers preached at you. And you can go ahead and make your own decisions. But I'm telling you right now, same thing I tell my own kids and I'm telling you pastorally speaking from this pulpit. If you go away and you walk away from God and you start pulling away, you start acting like a punk and little stinking rebel and wanting to run away from God, you're going to do it kicking and screaming and we're going to fight you all the way out the door and then see you later. We're not going to give up on you easy. Because this world's pulling at you and clawing at you and wanting to drag you down and keep you from worshiping God and keep you from pleasing Jesus Christ and get you all wrapped up into the world's music, into the world's attitude and the world's culture and all the rest of that stuff and drag you away from God so we're going to fight back. And we ain't going to feel bad about it either. Not scared of you. My preacher said, I don't get intimidated, I intimidate. And that's exactly how I feel about it. Why? Because we care about you. This world's trying to drag you down. And this passage, I think, gives us a key to not letting that happen. What I want to talk to you about is reasons to sing. You'll notice the theme of it right at the beginning. It's a psalm or a a song or a psalm. And he says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Sing forth the honor of His name. Make His praise glorious. You know, you and I need to learn to sing because it's a commandment. Look at verse 1. It's not a suggestion. God said in the inspired word of God in Psalms chapter number 66 and verse number 1, Make a joyful noise. He didn't say I suggest and it might help your psyche and to alleviate the pressure and to pull you out of depression and to put you in a better mood and to combat the melancholy spirit. What you might want to consider doing is he said make a joyful noise. You and I have an obligation before God to sing unto God and to lift up his name and honor his name and it will help you in a wild world to just say you know what I'm singing today. Put on the right kind of music and start singing. You know, a lot of times when I start singing, it ain't because I feel like it, it's because I don't feel like it. Sometimes when I want to put my fist through the wall or my head through a window, you, th- you th- I think like that. You might not, but I do. I just start singing. You know what's funny about that? Man, I start saying, God, am I possessed because I feel like Saul. You know what I mean? That evil spirit that was troubling me is just, it's like within a few seconds. When you start putting your mind on Jesus Christ and thinking about how good he is and singing towards his name, it's like you just obeyed something he told you to obey. And it's amazing how God blesses obedience. He said, make a joyful noise. Now, see, the problem with music is this. We've done the right thing as Bible-believing preachers to preach against the emphasis being on music all the time. You get, in, you get in this culture today in church where it's all about the music. It's like an hour of music, and then they want a 30-minute message, but they want to just, just, just froth it up with the music all the time. The emphasis should not ever be on the music all the time. I'm against that. I'm against bringing the world's music into the church. It doesn't say, make a joyful noise unto you. Well, I like this style. You notice nowadays the music in church gets everybody doing this. It's it's getting them, they're they're dancing. Now, you know, well, David danced before the Lord. Uh, There's an exception verse. When I find a group of people all dancing most of the time in the Bible, it's a bad thing. When that music is affecting your foot before it's affecting your heart, something's wrong with that music. So it doesn't say make a joyful noise unto the people. Well, if we just had different music in the church, if we just changed the music program, music has never been primary in this church, it's secondary. The primary thing is the preaching of the word of God. I have an issue with a church that wants to sing for an hour and I expect the preacher to preach for 30 minutes. Something's wrong. But just because so much emphasis is off balance and it's wrong doesn't mean we should swing so far the other way to where we don't think music matters at all. All the way through your Bible, especially in the Psalms it talks about singing and singing unto the Lord and playing skillfully and singing with a loud noise and all that kind of thing. Listen, singing is a very important thing. It's not just something we do to kill time at the beginning of our service and give you an opportunity to get here late but not, meet, not miss the message or give everybody the opportunity to filter through the bathroom. Line out there. It's not a kill, time killer. It is something we're supposed to honestly be doing that will help you in a weary world, get your mind off it all, and change your spirit, and lift your heart up out of the mud, and get it up into the clouds, glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to sing. And it's a commandment. You know what I like? I like standing in the back, and walking forward, and listening as I'm going to people singing. And I'm just telling you, some of you fellas, you can't carry a tune in a bucket, okay? Amen. I love you, but you're terrible. Now, I won't tell you who you are because I don't want to hurt your feelings. But, man, when I hear some of you guys sing and it's like, you know, Oh, victory in Jesus. I'm like, man, that is awesome. <laughs> I, I honest, no, listen. Because most of guys that can't sing, nah, there's exceptions to every rule. God bless them. But most guys that can't sing, they know they can't sing. But they're in the church service, and something about that thing, there's something about this, folks. I'll be preaching more about it on Sunday. There's just something about getting together. It's almost as if God had it in his plan, and he knew what was best for you, and he was looking out for you. And so he said, Hey, I'm going to establish a local church, and I don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together because you get help when you come here. And that thing starts at the time when we begin that service and start singing from our hearts unto God. Amen. So I don't care if you sound horrible, sing. Ain't that what's nice about congregationals? I always wish I was a good singer. Who doesn't? Doesn't everybody want to be the one that gets up there and sings the special and brings the house down? Ain't it great? But not everybody can. (laughs) Not everybody can because you won't bring the house down, you'll empty the house. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) But man, when it comes to congregational singing, there ain't a person in the room that can't lift up their voice because somebody next to you will drown you out. And man, is it ever a blessing. He says, make a joyful noise unto God. That's what God wants. That's what God expects. That's what God commanded. In the New Testament, he tells us in the book of Ephesians to be filled with the Spirit, right? Now, that's a tough one, ain't it? (laughs) That's a tough one, okay, just so you know. Because I just said, ain't it, and I was expecting everybody to go, oh, yeah, it's a tough one. No, listen, that's a real tough one. You ever been filled with the Spirit, preacher? I got no clue. Times when I think I am, I know I'm not. And times when I'm not, I'm like, well, maybe I just was, and I just, I can't figure all that out. But he told me to do it. I sure want to be, don't you? Then he gives me instructions on it. You know what the first thing he says is, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That's what he says in that list. Now, ain't that interesting? A key to being filled with God's spirit and not being filled with your own dirty spirit or the spirit of the world. And I mean dirty. I'm not talking like, you know, all the morality stuff. That can be part of it. But that's not what I'm I'm talking about, just that that dirty spirit, that sad spirit, that frustrated spirit, that envious spirit, that jealous spirit, that unthankful spirit, that miserable spirit. You know how you're going to run that out? He says to be filled with the spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing uh, uh, and, and making melody hearts to the Lord or something like that. Now you think about that. That's how to be filled with the Spirit of God and how to fellowship with God. Because when you begin singing the right kind of songs, it begins to cause you to start thinking about how God is and it brings honor in verse number 2 to His name and it makes His praise glorious. You know what else singing does for you? It constrains you. Now here's what I mean by that. The Bible talks about the love of Christ constraineth us, Right? This so is why your music is so important. And the devil's always trying to get that other music in there. When the devil attacks a church, he's going to attack the music, a Bible-believing church. Before he ever gets to the Bible issue, he'll start with the music. And if you can get him to crack on the music and bring in the new music, before long they'll bring in the new versions. But it starts with the new music. That's why I recognize the trick, the assault, the attack of the devil on our church in the early days when it was your preaching but our music. I hate to keep bringing that up, but I've learned some things because of that. That was a good thing that that happened. And it's a good thing that I saw it because proof's been in the pudding 15 years later. Every last one of them that starts that stuff winds up compromising on the Bible issue as well. That wasn't just stuff preached. That's stuff I've observed. That music constrains you. The right kind of music constrains you. It constrains your thoughts. Do you know Why? Music is an expression of the soul. So you start listening to that filthy stuff, guess what happens? It gets in your mind, it gets in your heart. So you'll gravitate to the kind of music that your soul, your sinful soul, without the control of the Spirit of God, without God, your flesh, you'll gravitate to the music that fits you. That's why some people listen to that gangster, filthy, godless rap. That's why some people like that angry, bitter, mean, ungodly, rebellious, heavy metal. That's why some people like the oldies but goodies because, you know, I'm not really one of those and I'm a good person, but I like to reminisce on and I like to think about and I like to, you start gravitating to all that kind of, some some people start gravitating towards country music. Why? Well, because it just talks about the good life, you know what I mean? Just a few beers at the bar, you know, this, that, and the other, love life, this kind of, I'm a good person, I'm just a regular, I'm not into all that angry, violent stuff, I'm not into all that gangster stuff, but you're still into stuff that's expressing your soul, and it's wrong. Mm Have you ever seen the verse, the heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, who can know it? You know what a Christian ought to be doing that wants to serve Jesus Christ and stay right and stay clean and not get pulled away by the world? You want to be a, a just immersing yourself in the right kind of music that exalts God and glorifies Him. It'll combat, it'll constrain your soul and all the thoughts that come into your life to drag you down. It'll pull you out of that stuff. You know, this worldly music, even the stuff that seems to be more benign, it'll focus you on every bad thing that's ever happened to you. If you're a hyper adventurous spirit, you're going to like that mean, nasty, godless, depraved, violent party type of stuff. If you're more of a melancholy spirit, you're going to gravitate right to that stuff that's a little more, you know, melancholy and starts you thinking about all the bad stuff of life and all the hard times of life and all the painful times of life. And before you know it, you're all the way down. You're not praising and glorifying God. You're not happy. You're not able to survive. You're not even able to notice the good days when you have them. You know what God you know what singing unto the Lord reasons to sing. You know what you know what giving God glory will do? It'll constrain your thoughts. I don't know about you, but I need help with that. I need to make sure that my mind stays in the right place so it's not getting pulled off into left field or pulled off into other left, left field or right field. Your left, my right, see I'm I'm right either way, because it was your left, my right. Your right, whatever. Your thoughts need help. My thoughts need help. Now, I remind you again, because when you start talking about thoughts and a dirty spirit and all that stuff, it's not necessarily always just moral stuff. Right. It's keeping my mind where God would have it to be. Notice, it constrains your thoughts because the right kind of music. Look at it, verse 3, saying to God, how terrible art thou in thy works. You know, there's a terribleness of your adversary. But there's also a terribleness of Jesus Christ. You know, there's a dual meaning to the word terror. It's not all negative, adapted to impress dread, terror, or solemn awe and reverence. You know, I, I mentioned it Sunday, like, we get pretty obsessed with the devil's coming after me, you know, and all this kind of like, well, it's the devil, it's got to be the devil. Like, You know, we'll talk more about it on this coming Sunday, but you know, you're not told to fear the devil anywhere in your Bible. You're not told to challenge him. You're not told to take him for granted. But you're not told to fear him. You know what you're supposed to fear? God. If you fear God, then the rest of it will take care of itself. You know, you got a terrible God. I'm talking about solemn awe and reverence. How terrible art thou in thy works. Through the greatness of thy power shall thine enemies submit themselves unto thee. You've got a great God. All the earth shall worship thee and sing unto thee. They shall sing to thy name, Selah. That's what I talked about in the introduction. How even the heathen one day, they're going to be singing unto him. Well, it'll be easy to sing to the Lord in the millennium, folks. It's not going to be hard. There's going to be no sacrifice associated to singing to God in eternity future. I mean, when he wipes away all tears and all the memories that drown you out right now, everything that bothers you right now is gone forever. It'd be real easy to sing. You know what I think God loves right now? I think right now when God looks down and sees some struggling kids in a tough world that sing unto him and praise his name, I think that's got to be a beautiful thing to God. It's a great reason to sing right now. Notice number two. Reasons to sing. Singing will help you see God the way you ought to see Him. In verses 3 and 4, it shows you the greatness of His power. You ever get singing, walk around the house? What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that made me white as snow. Man, you start thinking about, like, no, wait a second. His blood washed me clean. His power I mean, mean, singing will help you see God the way you ought to see Him. When you're singing the right stuff, all the earth, verse number 4, shall worship thee and shall sing unto thee. They shall sing unto thy name. Look at verse 7. He ruleth by His power forever. His eyes behold the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves, Selah. You ever see God for what He is? Not just, not just the power of God in what He's going to be, but the power of God is what he, in what He's doing in your life. Look at verse 5. Come and see the works of God. He is terrible in His doing toward the children of men. He turneth the sea into dry land. They went through the flood on foot. There did we rejoice in Him. Has anybody noticed God's done anything for you? Amen. <laughs> Ain't God been good? Amen. Hey, hasn't life been hard? I know some of your stories. You've had a cotton-picking hard life, man. I, know. I, listen, I'm not being patronizing. I'm serious. I sit back sometimes and I think because it's like I, I, I try to imagine what it would be like to be in some of your shoes. Like, what would it be like to live with the burdens that they live with? How would that affect my heart and my mind and the way I view the world and my life? Life's hard, ain't it? In spite of all that, hasn't God been good? Could you imagine what your life would look like if you didn't have Him? Could you imagine what life would look like if He hadn't given us this church? God's done this. Giving you a Savior, giving you a Bible, giving you help through your problems. I mean, ain't God good? Hasn't his works been obvious in our life? I mean, haven't you come and see the works of God? Haven't you seen what God can do? What God has done? How terrible he is in his doing toward the children of men. And verse number six, he turned the sea into dry land. You remember that, right? When God parted the Red Sea? When it was impossible for you to get across... But you came to a point where you heard about the blood of Jesus Christ and he crossed you over into Canaan land. He took you out of the world, out of the threat of the devil, destroying you and saved your soul. Hey, listen, God worked miraculously in your life and miraculously in mine. How's it miraculous? You were born into a Christian home. I didn't ask for that. I didn't put in to be born into a home that had Bible-believing parents attending a King James Bible-believing church. Hey, thank God for it. I'm not going to be one of those that just finds constant fault with my parents all the time and constant fault with every church I've ever been in all the time, and there's fault to be found because there's fault to be found in me. I'm thankful that God put me in a Bible-believing home. My daddy was a deacon in a King James Bible-believing church before I was even born. What a blessing, man. 11 years old, my dad becomes a pastor. Raised in a Bible. I didn't vote for that. I could be a lost man right now with some crackhead parents and a crackhead life. I could be dead by now knowing my own personality or sitting in a prison cell somewhere. Hey, God's been good to me and it ain't because of me. I owe him something. Thank him for how, how good he's been. His wonderful works in my life. And he gave me a great wife. And no, I'm not just giving points, but she's back. So I feel whole again. I feel like preaching again. I was only about maybe 50% myself on Sunday, but she got home on Monday and I felt better. Just like that, like it's weird. You know, I'm just pathetic. And I don't mind it. Shameless about it. You know, there's no chance we ever meet each other. She grew up in Fayetteville, North Carolina. I grew up near Detroit, Michigan. God set that whole thing up. She went to a different college the first semester, the first part of the year up in Indiana, and then mid, mid-year just decided to switch, come down to my school. I won't bore you with the story because you've heard it enough already, but, man, it was just God. I mean, all, all that we've been through together in 20 years, God keeping us together, God giving me the perfect woman for me. I didn't say we got the perfect marriage and she's the perfect wife. I said she's the perfect wife for me. It's God, God's been good, man. Look at the works of God. I mean, I'm, I'm so thankful for all that God's done in my life and how God literally is part of the Red Sea and turned that thing into dry land and gave us a church. You got some 30-year-old kid with a 25-year-old wife and zero, zero understanding of what it means to pastor people. I mean, zero didn't you train other brother Lynch? I, I wasn't getting hardly anything. God was planting seeds back there that I hope I can benefit from the rest of my life. But at that point, almost everything was going over my head. All I cared about was being a rip snorting, rip faced, kind of borderline cuss them out preacher. My favorite passages were smite with the hand and stamp with the foot, cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet. And so I ripped out their, their hair, ripped out their beards, and I cursed them and I smote them. <laughs> That was, that, was what, that was what I wanted. That was what preaching was to me. And God says, no, I'm going to make you a pastor. And then God sends me up here in 2008 in the middle of the Great Recession. Do you think things are bad now? They were worse then. And, and, par, and works miracles, parts the Red Sea to allow us to establish a church and find a place to meet and brought in the money year after year. I don't even know how he's done it. Amen. I don't even know how we're still here. I mean, I wasn't ministering to anybody with my preaching. I was constantly trying to rip faces off. Jumping over the pulpit and acting like a fool in this day and age. How did any visitors come back? Folks, it's God. Ain't his works great. How can anybody say it's because I tithe, it's because I was faithful, it's because of the sacrifices I made, it's because of what I did? Have you lost your mind? Hey, Come see. See how good God is. And boy, I'm telling you, when you get to singing the right kind of songs, at the right kind of doctrine, and getting through your Bible, and seeing the way God instructed Moses to sing, and seeing the way God lays out these songs, and shows us how to sing, you start getting your head in the right place, and you start seeing what God is. You stop seeing everything else around you. Number three. We got a reason to sing because of the sanctifying power of God. Look at verse 9. Which holdeth our soul in life. <laughs> Man, ain't that the truth? You ever feel like God just like scoops you up like a little baby and just kind of carries you? I was telling somebody recently, just this week, who was talking to him. It was Brother Rose, Brother Jeff Rose. I was telling him, I said, man, I don't know how some of the folks in my church are still, still in church with what they've been through in life. It's amazing to me. I said, you know what it boils down to? It just boils down to the fact that you just start realizing that God is the one that does the work. Because there's people that have burdens that are more than a human being could possibly carry and stay faithful to God, but they're still coming to church. That's God. You know what God does? He sanctifies. It means He sets you apart unto Himself. You know what God wants? God wants you. It doesn't, it doesn't matter whether, whether the brethren wants you or not. It doesn't matter whether the world wants you or not. It doesn't even matter whether your family wants you or not. God wants you. God cares about you. And He sets you apart for Himself. Ain't that a great father? You know what kind of father God is. He'll never leave you or forsake you. When my mother and father forsake me, even your own flesh and blood, can you imagine that? Your own flesh and blood? A mama and a daddy. You understand what a great thing it is to be a mama or a daddy? It doesn't mean to the kids what it means to you. And you can't expect it to. Because you're the parent. When a parent doesn't want their own kid, you know what that does to the kid? You know how awesome God is? When a mother and father forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. <laughs> Ain't that something else, man? How can you not sing about a God like that? How can you not praise Him? He, he, he's He's a great father. He holds your soul in life, and He suffers not our feet to be moved. If it wasn't for God, I would have quit many times over, and so would some of you. And if you've never been to a point where you realize that, then you just ain't been doing it long enough. But the reality is, if it wasn't for an awesome, wonderful, great God who's worthy to be praised and sung to, you wouldn't even be sitting here. And you'd still have your problems. Have I mentioned that to you recently? You'd still have your problems no matter what, because that's life in a sinful world. You just wouldn't have any help in your problems. Your problems would go from bad to worse without God. So where are you going to go, knucklehead? It's God that keeps you in. It's God that sustains you. It's God that holds you up. It's God that sets us apart. You aren't so spiritual because of your standards and because of your great change of life and because you quit smoking and quit drinking and quit cussing and quit wearing the clothes you used to wear. And You're so high and mighty and so self-righteous because you're so sanctified and set apart. And We believe in separation. Real separation is what God Almighty does in the soul of man. It's Him. And all that other stuff just comes. It's like you go to put that on one day, and you're like, "Why am I wearing this? This ain't right. I don't really want to wear it anymore." Why am I listening to that music when I can turn on this music? I don't have an appetite for that anymore. That's that's real spiritual growth. It's not all about, I can't listen to it and I really want to listen to it. Real spiritual growth is, hey man, would you shut that off? That does nothing for me. That's taking me way down the wrong road. That's not what I even want to hear. This is, what I, this is who I am now. It's God that sanctifies you. It's God that sets you up. I want to be sanctified, don't you? I want to be like, you know what, no, I don't want that. Your flesh will always want it. But I want to get to a point where I'm recognizing, hey, listen, it's because of God that I'm still in this thing. It's because of God that I'm not. My feet haven't slipped. Look at verse 10. For thou, O God, hast proved us. Thou hast tried us as silver is tried. You know what the sanctifying process is? It's trials that come into your life that are tests from God. You ever see a thing, God, God won't tempt any man? God can't be tempted, neither will he tempt any man. You think about that. So God can't be tempted with sin, and God will never tempt you with sin. How often are you tempted? (laughs) We won't go there. God allows the temptations. Because those temptations, whether it be a temptation to sin or a trial, a hard time, Do you know it wasn't God that put Job into a trial? Satan comes up and he says, have you seen my servant Job? None like him. God had a test. Satan went down there and said, skin for skin, all that a man hath will he give for his skin. Oh, I know how to get him. Let me have his health. Satan's the one taking it. That temptation of, of, of Satan on Job to quit, to blaspheme God was God's test to prove Job. Your hard times in life, man, they're a golden opportunity to show God, hey, listen, you try us, and when you try silver and you put the fire to it and you heat it up and it's really, really uncomfortable, what happens to silver, to what's pure, is all the dross rises to the top, And then the guy trying to make something out of that silver, trying to make it more valuable, scrape all that dross off and throw it away. And after he heats it up and lets it go through something painful, it comes out purer. That's God. That's his sanctifying process. You realize that a lot of times the pain and the struggle and the difficulties and the heartbreaks and the disappointments and the setbacks in this world are actually a great opportunity for God to get our eyes off of this world and onto what really matters so that He can make us more usable while He gives us the rest of our days in this world. It's a sanctifying process. Hey, man, I like singing to Him because I even know in the worst-case scenario scenarios in my life, He's such a great God that He's going to take me through that thing and make me better off after than I was before. It's a sanctifying process. I mean, how can how can you keep a guy down that understands that and that recognizes that in the middle of his problem? How's the devil going to get a victory in your life when you're like, you know what? I'm going to sing to God because He proves us. And what this is is this is me having an opportunity to show God how much I love Him and to get better than I am before. It's a sanctifying process. Last of all, two more things. It's a sacrificing, it's an opportunity to sacrifice. Look at verse 13. I will go into thy house of burnt offerings. I will pay thee my vows, which my lips have uttered, and my mouth has spoken when? When I was in trouble. Oh boy. Verse 15 I will offer unto thee burnt sacrifices of fatlings with the incense of rams. I will offer bullocks with goats. Selah. You know what he said? He said, listen, when I was in trouble, I made some vows to you. He voluntarily gives God a sacrifice. What I think is beautiful about that is is it's in a bad time. He makes a decision. Instead of saying, listen, God, if this is how you're going to treat your kids... You know, God, if you didn't be like this. No, in a bad time, he says, listen, God, I'm in a mess right now. If you get me through this mess, if you keep me from falling, keep me from denying your name, keep me from getting so discouraged that I quit, get me through this thing, Lord, then I'm going to come into your temple and I'm going to give you some sacrifices. I want to come. God, I want to come give you some sacrifices. Don't let me fall. Does that make sense? The motive behind the sacrifice. It's not because he's got his arm twisted up around behind his back and he's being preached at all the time that he has to give 10%. It's that he wants to give. It's that he wants to come. It's that he wants to sacrifice. And he doesn't want to quit on God because he wants to give God more. It's a sign of his love for God. Hey, I think he's worthy to be sung to. I want to lift up his name Because it's only God that can make somebody get to where they actually want to sacrifice to God. So, for example, who wants to be here right now? Thank you. Two guys Mike and Jesse. All right, let me rephrase this for those that are more spiritual among us. Whose flesh wants to be here right now? It is cold already it was 32 degrees I had to break out my winter coat it is dark it was gloomy all day long and my couch is calling to me because right about now nope right about now I'd be heading to bed because I've been dozing on the couch for at least an hour already my kids are all laughing at me making fun of me and there's nothing they can do to keep me awake do you you understand what I'm saying Hey, man, I want to be here. I mean, I'm with these two. The rest of you, I don't know about you, but these two. It's only God that can get you to where you voluntarily come on a Wednesday night to sit in church to get preached at. And sometimes you're tired. And listen, I try to pay attention to how you're feeling and the mood of the church. I really do. So if I see you're all kind of like look like you have a headache and you're all worn out, I try not to yell too much, but sometimes I can't help it. Tonight, Grace is home. You understand what I'm saying? I'm like, back, come on, back, you know. Only God can make it to where you look forward to coming to church. Only God can get to where, can get you to where you get down here at an altar call and you say, Lord, I'm sorry, I'll stop. If you want that in my life, I'll give it to you. I'll quit that if that's what you want, God. Voluntarily, I'm bringing you a sacrifice. It's only God that can get, get you to where serving him and doing stuff for him, isn't a burden. It's something you want to do and it's a joy. Now how could you not sing to a master like that? You remember what the devil did to you? You didn't want to keep doing that stuff. You didn't want to keep going those places. You didn't want to keep living like, it wasn't as fun as you thought it was going to be when you were young and a knucklehead. It's my new word. I'm not allowed to say idiot and moron anymore. Still looking for that in the King James Bible, and I can't. Oh, let your speech be always with grace. Never mind. Anyways, let's keep going here. The sacrificing that's voluntary, but oh, folks, that don't come from you and me. Look at his heart in verse fourteen. With my lips, which my lips have uttered, and my mouth has spoken when I was in trouble. So now he's not just he's not just offering these sacrifices. You know, vol- yeah, I'm doing it because I want voluntarily, but it's coming out of his heart. So now it's not just showing up on Wednesday night because you kind of, yeah, I want to go. It's like I can't wait to get there. You see the difference? It's even another level. I'm looking forward to Sunday. Yeah, I, I want to come back Sunday night. I don't have to. I, I want, I'm looking forward to church. Man, that, that's a great God. What a master, when he lays out these rules and says, here's the rules, here's the things that I want from you, here's what you're going to do to get before me and have a little something laid up in heaven, and then he sets the thing up when he's doing it to where when you're doing what he says you're doing, it's almost like you, do what are you going to reward me for, man? I, this is awesome. I love what I'm doing. I already got the reward. What are you talking about? A reward. A reward. No, I'm not doing it for a reward. If people ask, oh, isn't that the wrong motive if you're just doing it for the reward? If if that's the way, you, then you're not understanding yet how the thing worked. It is God doing it in you and then rewarding you for it. It's nuts. It's amazing. And it makes him worthy to be sung to. Last thing. Look at verse 12. Thou hast caused men to ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water. But thou brought us out into a wealthy place. We ought to sing because of the saving grace of God. Not not just saving you from hell, but saving you from the attacks of others and the attacks of the devil. You know people will trouble you. Now it's caused men to ride over our heads. Now that's a that's a weird one, and I got a couple different thoughts on it, but I'm taking it this way for tonight because I think it's the right application for now. But that thing's a weird passage. You ever feel like people are stomping on you? They are. Riding roughshod over you? They are. But you know what he said? We went through the, fire and, through the fire and through water, but thou broughtest us out into a wealthy place. You know what God does? God saves you. God keeps you at it. He saves you not just from people that are going to trouble you, but from the sin of your own heart. Look at verse 16 and we're done. Come and hear all ye that fear God, and I will declare what he hath done for my soul. I cried unto him with my mouth, and he was extolled with my tongue. Now watch it. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Notice, notice, God won't fellowship with a man who has sin in his heart. Right? If I regard iniquity in my heart. So iniquity is in his heart, and he regards it. likes it but watch because every one of us is under conviction right there well God ain't gonna listen to my prayer because the heart's deceitful and desperately wicked who can know it and I know I'm wrong look at the next verse but verily God hath heard me he hath attended to the voice of my prayer okay there's a contrast if I regard iniquity in my heart the Lord will not hear me but God hath heard me so wait a minute Something about this thing is weird. Because he's saying, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me, and God hath heard me. Then he's saying, I don't have any iniquity in my heart, I'm great. What he's saying is this. My heart's sinful, but I don't regard that. That's not what I want. Because there's a contrast. But verily God hath heard me. Now look at the last verse, and you'll see what I'm saying. This should tie it together for you. Blessed be God. Who hath not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy from me. You know what David was like? He's like you and me. He didn't really want to live wicked, he really didn't want to have a sinful heart, but he struggled like you do. He came to church on Wednesday night with a bad attitude once in a while, but he didn't regard iniquity in his heart. He wasn't living for that stuff, he didn't love the sin. And he noticed this, since I don't regard it, since I have sin in my nature, but it's not in my heart, God in His mercy has heard me in spite of me. Does that make sense? You've got to sing to a God who saves you, not just saves your soul from hell, but saves you in life. And hears and answers your prayer in spite of you. There's not a person in this room that has what you have because you're so great, Gets answers to prayer because you're so wonderful. Has God work in your life because you've been so perfect and all the rest of that thing. If God's been good to anybody in this room, it's because God is good in His own character. That's who He is. And He's a good God. And as a result, He showed me mercy and He's heard my prayer. But I also know this. If I choose to follow after sin and love sin and harbor sin, He ain't hearing me. Do you get the balance on that? It's not contradictory. It makes sense. So you got a sin-cursed world you're living in. You got a lot of things to drag you down. And if you focus on all that stuff, you're going to be miserable. But if you decide you're going to think about and focus on God and follow the commandment in verse number one to make a joyful noise unto God and, and start making good quality Christian music a part of your ride to work, Part of your ride home from work. If you go to the gym, good for you. I can't go when I can't find my headphones because that other stuff that's going on in there it affects me wrong. I got to get my headphones and put my headphones in. Why? because it keeps my mind and my heart in the right place and keeps it focused on what a great God I have. And the more I can focus on Him, the more I can endure where I'm at. And the longer I endure where I'm at, the greater glory God can get and the greater good that can come out of it. Making a joyful noise to God and learning to sing for the right reasons will help your Christian life. All right, no invitation tonight. We'll stop right there and we'll be dismissed in a word of prayer.